So you, you, you know, it's an overlooked area of innovation. Poop. You're right. I do love a good bidet. That, my 17 year old sister even says, if you're not using a bidet, you're just smearing poop around your butt. God, that is so graphic to start out the, the, the podcast <laughs> but it's, with. It's true, isn't it? It's enlightening. That's nasty. Yeah. So we should definitely get into this. Um, and talk, talk about uh, some of the innovations happening in a uh, pretty untalked about space, if you will. I'm Brian Vogt. I'm Yu Shots, and welcome to Off the Beaten Pod, brought to you by the Kellogg School of Management's Innovation Design Association. Yeah, so I was reading, and it's wild, but I was reading that people are now in medicine taking stool from a healthy donor and through a colonoscopy, putting it in the colon of a really sick patient, and it's basically curing them just instantly almost. Wow, that's amazing. And these donors, do they get paid for the poop transplants? Yeah, so it's kind of wild in that similar to a blood bank or um, sperm, sperm, bank. sperm bank, yeah, they have stool banks now where and it's extremely selective to get picked. Only 3% of people get selected. So That's lower than Harvard's acceptance yeah, rate. I, yeah, I guess that's true, right? Um, and they get $40 a stool. But the reason that it's so difficult is your the bacteria that makes up your stool has to be really high quality. They take these these stool samples and screen them and then supply them to hospitals. Um, so it's, it's pretty wild. So before we get into the present day, we want to rewind and think about how we got here. Yeah, let's do that. We'll, we'll launch into a little section called Who the Hell Came Up With This? <laughs> All right, so the concept of treating colon disease actually started in India. So there's some ancient texts that date back more than 3,000 years ago where they actually recommend the intake of cow urine for stomach-related diseases. Chinese people were also doing this at the time. And in the Ming Dynasty, there's a physician named Li Shizhen who used something called yellow soup or golden syrup. That, that, yeah, that golden does not syrup sound sounds good. good. No. But it's... Does it? it? Golden syrup? I feel like that sounds kind of tasty. Not in this context. Well, what it is, <laughs> does, it doesn't sound good at all. And that's basically this fermented poop that they're using to treat abdominal diseases. It's actually amazing everyone just didn't die back then. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, they're also drinking mercury because they thought that was going to give them eternal life. This is probably better than mercury, right? Uh, it's a low bar, but I think so. <laughs> and then the Bedouins actually recommended the consumption of fresh, warm camel feces Man. to fight bacterial dysentery. You know, I actually heard about that, that during World War II in the North African theater, that soldiers would eat camel stool, which, you know, it's very fibrous. Very fibrous. Yes. But would, like, wring that out, not for the water, but when they had dysentery and were super, super sick. And did it work? I mean, I, they did it, so I'm assuming that's, they saw some benefit, right? Right, right. <laughs> so this idea of consuming poop and fecal matter transplant was codified in 1958 by the surgeon from Colorado named Ben Eisman. He treated four people that were critically ill with fecal enemas, 
and it actually resulted in a rapid return to health. Yeah, so this is crazy. How this doctor came up with the idea in the first place was he was hiking and realized that anytime his dogs got sick, he noticed they would only eat the poop of the other dogs. They'd never eat their own. So that started making him think about, okay, why would that be the case? What benefit are they getting? And then he went back through the medical literature and found some of these examples and started looking into the concept of kind of repopulating the body with someone else's bacteria. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be going into fecal matter transplant, the process behind this, you know, who's doing it and what benefits it has for our body. And also some regulatory things about that as well. Now, people are really innovating using poop. So maybe let's get into the microbiome a little bit. How Do you know much about that? I don't know much about the microbiome. So I'm not an expert either, but basically the microbiome is that your body is made up, obviously, of your own cells. But with that, both on the surface of your skin and all through your stomach, colon, private parts, everything, everything has tons of bacteria that work symbiotically with your body. And you really wouldn't be able to function if you didn't have that bacteria, if you were completely sterile. So is the microbiome a collective of all that bacteria in your body? Yeah. And what's wild is now the estimates range everything from 10 times to one to one, but they think about as many cells in your body that are your cells, there are of bacteria. So you're basically, uh, not by weight, obviously, but as many cells bacteria as you are um, your own. Microbiome sounds like your life force. (laughs) Like the way that you're describing. I feel like I have a pretty good microbiome. I'm not, you know, I can't quantify that, but just I feel pretty good. You feel good about it. Yeah. The microbiome affects the diseases you get. And what's even maybe more fascinating than that is where you get your microbiome from originally. So I had the pleasure of hearing Professor McKenna from the University of Notre Dame speak, and he's a world expert actually on breastfeeding. And what was totally fascinating about his, when he spoke at an event I heard him, was he was saying that when a baby is born, the bacteria that's in their stomach actually perfectly maps the bacteria of the mother's um, vaginal tract. And that that bacteria is what's populating their stomach. And what happens now is when a C-section happens, that baby kind of never got exposed to that. So they've actually started swabbing the female and putting that on. Yeah. Sounds painful. Yeah, it is. But what's crazy is that they've people who have C-sections, they were realizing that was correlated with all of these other diseases later in life. And so so, C-section babies were less healthy than ones that came in through natural birth because they weren't exposed to the bacteria. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like we should be careful with, with those those kind of caveats, but that's my understanding of they were there was a correlation between having C-sections mm-hmm. and some, like, you know, I'm going to make this up a little bit, but like celiac or some of these other um, gastrointestinal um, issues. So the the microbiome is really derived directly from the mother. And that's why they're swapping, swabbing the female and, you know, putting that, putting that on the baby to kind of get them. That's, the, that's what gets them kickstarted. That's fascinating. Yeah. There's some really great um, TED talks out there that they mapped people's 
and baby's microbiomes and show how it's perfectly correlated with the mothers. And then over two or three years, they start actually developing their own. Um, and what's really interesting is if they have to go on antibiotics, you can see that it just gets wiped out by the antibiotics and takes the microbiome, the microbiome. Yeah. And it takes, you know, six months to a year for it to get back to where it was. I want to protect my microbiome. Yeah. So, you know, um, obviously if you have to take antibiotics, uh, for some, something real severe, you should, but it's, it's a great reason why only taking those when you absolutely have to, when it's a doctor. Is there anything else I should avoid to protect my microbiome? Um, I mean, you know, people say drink kombucha. I'm not sure if that's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that might just be hippies, you know, trying to sell product. So maybe you, you, why don't you lead us into the, um, kind of the use cases for fecal matter transplant here. Who's using this? What diseases are being used for? Got it. Well, I think the primary use case is for something called diff clostridium difficile, also known as C. diff. Thank you. So C. diff, it's a bacteria that can cause symptoms ranging from diarrhea to life-threatening inflammation of the colon, colon, Mm. not colon, sorry. Sorry to anyone named colon. And it basically takes on super rapidly and you can be dead within a week. Yeah, so I actually have a personal story related to this. My grandfather actually got C. diff when he went into the hospital and passed away from it. Um, and it, it really rapidly, about a week, he went from relatively healthy. Obviously, he was in the hospital, so he wasn't doing great, but um, to dead just because the infection went so rapidly. Wow. It was a long time ago, so you don't have to okay, be, don't be, don't be too sad. Yeah, I was, sorry, you know, Brian. We're talking like 15 years ago. Still, so. still. No, we miss him, but yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like C. diff and using fecal matter transplants, it could really be a game changer for this disease. Yeah, and, and to elaborate on the disease, like 500,000 people a year are infected with this, and 30,000 of those people uh, actually pass away. Um, so it's a, it's a major, major issue. And what's interesting is it really um, is only a problem in these highly sanitized areas. So hospitals um, and healthcare facilities is really where you see this infection crop up. Got it. So it's basically one person's microbiome or like their bacteria has become significantly weakened. And so it's if you put someone else's bacteria in their body it can help rebuild resistance. Yeah, that's that's the the fecal matter transplant piece. Right. Um, the C. diff piece is really what I was saying is just that's what's really only found in hospitals. Like Got you it. and me aren't really going to get C. diff most likely just here. But it's when you go into a hospital setting where it's super sanitized and sterilized, um, that's where that infection seems to be able to take hold. Got it. So then we would go into the donor selection process to treat C. diff. And so if you want to be a donor and donate poop, it's a three-step process. Number one, we have a donor selection. So healthy donors are selected after multiple screenings. Like you mentioned, about 3% are selected. And then the poop goes through a blending process where you stick mm. it in a blender. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if I should show this or not, but I watched some YouTube videos. Oh, you watched this? Yeah, so um, thank you to Beth Israel Hospital for, or no, maybe it's been Brigham, Brigham and Women's, but they have a instructional video for their staff on how to correctly blend poop. And in it, it advises you to throw out the blender after. 
So that's a lot of blenders. <laughs> I know. I feel like you should out. be able to clean that, right? I feel like you can sanitize it. I Put just threw it in the hydrogen trash. Hydrogen peroxide on it. It's like talk about a waste, but yeah, um, make sure the lid's on for that one for real. <laughs> so the poop gets blended, and then it's administered to the patient. Is the last step, and so that's administered through a colonoscopy or an enema. Mm-hmm. It's going in the same way that it came out. So you, you, how how effective has this treatment been? It's been very effective for so for C diff. Mm-hmm. Um, statistics are showing that it's been ninety percent effective. Wow! In curing patients, and that's on people who have already gone through a full dosage of heavy antibiotics to try to kill the infection. Correct? Yes, that is correct. And the recovery rate has actually been three days. So that's, that's the efficacy amazing. of this treatment. It's been amazing. And there's also many other potential uses for this type of fecal matter transplant. Mm. Yeah, I was reading that they're not, maybe we can get into the regulation a little bit, but they're not all approved, but they've seen benefits for people with Crohn's and colitis, which is um, That's really, another- Both of those are very prevalent right now. Yeah, and it's it's game-changing for these people, um, obviously, because they're maybe having 20, 30 bowel movements a day. That's a lot. Um, kind of debilitating. Not your three- Two, two to three is two healthy. To three, yeah. Twenty to thirty is gotta, debilitating. Man, thirty times a day—that's uh, that's rough. So, what's the regulation and policy around this? Yeah, so it's pretty it's pretty murky. So officially, the FDA has issued a guidance that they call it um, an enforcement discretion, and what that means is that it's kind of like you you can do it, but we're not going to say it's okay. Um, so what's happened is there's a lot of controversy because obviously poop is a natural byproduct, but drug companies want to be able to, to patent and sell it as, as a drug, right? They want to sell poop as a drug. Yeah. And more specifically, what they're trying to do is actually identify the specific bacteria in the stool that is making you healthier grow that in a lab setting, right? So that you could eliminate the donor and all the the pain points of having to screen people and collect it and you manufacture it like any other drug and patent that kind of cocktail of the specific microbiome. So could that be, you know, packaged as a oral pill that you would consume? Is that kind of the goal? Yeah, so that, well, there's, there's two things actually. So maybe we jump back for a second. A really interesting innovation in the fecal matter transplant space is that some doctors are working on an actual, you know, like a horse pill that has freeze-dried stool. And the advantage of that, and you have to take a number of them, you know, a handful of pills. Right, right. But if you think about from a cost standpoint, from a, um, applying the, the treatment, you don't need the all the medical professionals because a colonoscopy is still a medical procedure with anesthesia and... Or some, you know, some kind of yeah. Being able to take a pill would be so much better. Yeah, so, so much better. That's a really neat innovation. Now, with what you were talking about with these drug companies, I think obviously, yeah, they're trying to get to a point where it would just be. Um, I'm not sure how the delivery much mechanism. more streamlined process. Exactly, well, you don't have to have a procedure to get it. Get or it a done. blender. Or a blender. I'm telling you, they this right in the trash. Just chucked it out. It's like my heart goes out to all these blenders. I, I mean, I'm sure Vitamix is thrilled, but are, are they it, Vitamixes? I, I couldn't tell. I I don't have a Vitamix, but. So expensive. I don't think you need that level of horsepower, you know, because that's some of those stools are pretty thick. No, it was runny. Oh, it was, God, Brian. They mix it with saline. It was 
Oh, man, horrific. Is anyone doing that? God love you. Um, but yeah, so right now we're in this this foggy situation where the FDA, like I said, is basically said, we're not saying it's okay, but we're not really going to stop you. So it hasn't moved into the area of regulation yet. Yeah, so what it, what it's what's really happening is that they're realizing that this is really effective and they don't have they don't like the solution, but they don't have a better solution. So they're allowing it to go on. But in order to be allowed to get a fecal matter transplant, you have to have gone through a strict course of really strong antibiotics first. So it's kind of like a last ditch. Hey, you've tried everything else. Now you're allowed to try this for the hospital to be allowed to do it. And they're not allowed to do it for Crohn's and colitis and some of these other areas where they think there's some um, really strong potential for it to be successful. Well, in that case, I'd imagine that there would be a little do-it-yourself or some sort of black market for people that do want to do this then. Yeah. Do you know if that's happening? I do. And it, you, you nailed it. And you understand kind of the whole piece of constraint leading to innovation, right? So unfortunately, what's happened as a result is people with Crohn's and colitis who might be desperate to get better are doing giving themselves a enema a or a... Fecal transplant. Yes. And obviously, they don't have the... But material, educate, the knowledge, just uh, everything. All of it. That's all not of something it. you do at all. Not to mention, yeah. you know, who are you getting to be a donor? And has that been screened? Is that vetted? Yeah, so it's it's rough. And I think it speaks to the desperation that these people feel with their current situation. So there's a lot of anger, as you can imagine, from these groups who are effectively begging the FDA to approve it. But, you know, with medicine, obviously, you got to be really careful that you don't approve something that has negative consequences. So... Unfortunately, it's a slow process and it really hasn't been resolved um, to date. I do hope that we get there to help people with colitis and Crohn's. Amen to that. So you, there's also been some pretty interesting innovation by these pharmaceutical companies in that they're using artificial intelligence to evaluate the test results from fecal matter transplant clinical, clinical trials to help identify those specific bacteria in the donor's stool that is impacting the patient's health. So really advanced um, mathematical models that are, because if you think about there are thousands of different bacteria and figuring out not just which one, but the proportion. And Triangulating on that right ratio. It, all that, and you know, when and, and everyone's bacteria is different. So, um, yeah, there's some, some really fascinating work being done there. Um, and I think there's just a, a controversy around, are we taking something that right now is, I'm not going to say freaks of all the testing and scanning needed and letting uh, pharmaceutical companies ultimately patent that and then right. make a profit on it. So that's kind of a, a major innovation happening in the space. I'm that's not still sure being how out. I feel about the pharmaceuticals, but I am glad that you know, this new technology of fecal matter transplant is helping people. So you, you, where should we send our listeners if they want to learn more about the work the Idea Club's doing at Kellogg? Yeah, if anybody wants to learn more about Off the Beaten Pod or the Kellogg Idea Club, please feel free to go to the Instagram or website. Instagram is at Kellogg Idea Club. And there you can see information about our other episodes, learn more about the hosts and the other people behind the podcast. They so got some, check it out. Some pictures of us. 
Yep. In the sweat box of a phone booth. <laughs> <laughs> We're really getting to know each other here. It's a zillion degrees in this thing. 